Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hello everyone, it's Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me, and I am your host, Tom Sutton. Uh, it's a pretty special episode. Um, the entire point of this podcast was for me to just um, basically entertain myself and uh, it was it was kind of an, an avenue for me to express my own Star Wars love and enthusiasm. But from time to time, I have had guests friends to come on and talk Star Wars with. Today, something a little bit special, we actually have our first ever interview. Um, uh, I believe I have spoken about this gentleman's podcast on my own podcast in the past. I've even uh, tried to promote him on social media just because I think um, he does such amazing work. Uh, coming up, we will be interviewing Brandon Wernerdy from the uh, Talking Bay 94 podcast. That is a podcast uh, entirely dedicated to interviews with Star Wars creatives. That's people in front of and behind the camera, even uh, book authors, comic book artists, etc. And I think he's, I just love, love, love his podcast. It's so, um, like, I really think that, I, I've said this before, but I really think that future generations will be going back again and again to those interviews because he, uh, that he really gets a lot of information and stories from people that, uh, you know, I have never heard before. And his um, kind of positivity and pure enthusiasm and love for Star Wars is something that uh, that I really, really appreciate. So that's coming up. Uh, first things first, though, of course, we want to talk about Chapter 4 of The Book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah, great episode. I really liked it. Um, let's get the negatives out the way first. Um, again, we had the... The Mod Squad, uh, still not loving them. Um, maybe I'll put this up later. I, I found, uh, just by coincidence, an artist I've, I follow put up some just uh, like co character concept art um, pieces of... Uh, and I, I, this had nothing to do with Star Wars or anything, but just by coincidence it had some characters with kind of cybernetic implants or additions and... They look so, so much more Tatooine and so much more Star Wars than uh, I think what is in the book of Boba Fett. And I kind of felt like I really, if it had looked like this, I would love these guys. Um, yeah, the the scene of the um, of Fennec Shand getting her stomach wound dealt with again. It's like. I just, I'm not, like, I loved the music as he was approaching. It had this a very weird, unique, otherworldly sound to it, and I really liked that. Um, but once they were in the shop itself, it was, like, just, like, straight techno or straight dance music. And I just, like, A, to me, that's not really Star Wars, and B, it feels very, like, obvious. Like, oh, she's getting technical parts put it into her and so we're going to play techno get it like yes i get it um i forget how the saying goes but um a guy a, a guy who works in film and tv here in gothenburg that has done music videos for some of my bands a friend of mine called 
Henrik, he... I wish I remembered the, how the saying goes. Apparently in filmmaking in Sweden, there's a thing of like, uh, if you're going to have somebody holding an orange, don't have, for example, don't have the dialogue say that you're holding an orange. Like, I think, like, for example, uh, perhaps a, another option would have been like, you have that weird uh, off-kilter kind of uh, spacey music as he approaches with the tough guys out the front and then perhaps once he opens the door it's like or something like that you know and the bend bend what you're seeing a bit instead of being like oh it's like technical stuff with techno music and it seems a bit too obvious to me but that was my only real issue the rest i really liked um i mean slave one action Love it. <laughs> Come on. Um, I just... Uh, the the rescue scene, like, I loved that kitchen scene. Like, I've said many times, humor is a huge part of Star Wars. And um, Boba versus <laughs> the droids was excellent. Especially the rat catcher. Man, I really, really enjoyed the rat, the rat catcher and that little chase. Um, good little uh, action scene of them getting the slave one back. I gotta say, there was one. So when Ming Na Wen is, uh, or I should say, uh, Fennec Shand is on the uh, the ramp of of the slave one, and first I think she deals with a um, with a Gamorian guard, and then another guard jumps on, and it really has style. The, uh, the action scene there, like, uh, I wonder, like, um, has Ming Wen done... I, I, I think I read somewhere she has a, a, a history in dance, which, of course, uh, helps a lot if you're doing action. Um, but I wonder if she's done much martial arts because, uh, obviously, you know, it could be... Uh, they work with doubles, um, stunt doubles, but I felt like her... Her body language and her, like there's there was a particular like finishing position or something which where you see her face and she looked really really cool and really competent and really like she knew what she was doing and had it had flair um, and I just was like yeah that looks fantastic um, yeah the slave one attacking those uh, what are they called Kinton raid riders or whatever the um, the Nikto swoop bike gang i just i mean that was amazing where you just see the bikers hooning across the desert and then what's that what's that little black spot in the distance wow great i think like i've been enjoying kind of the uh the um slightly warmer fuzzier boba fett actually uh, i know but i know some people have been a bit like hungry to see a bit more of the um the tough, the tough Boba Fett, and I hope that that scene was something they really enjoyed. <laughs> that wacky scene of flying the save one, the slave one, right above the Sarlacc pit to look for the, for the, um, to look for the the armor was cool. There's a shot I think where it's shot from like inside the Sarlacc pit, and you just have the cockpit of the slave one there. It's stuff like that where you just go. Wow, like I am seeing new, like real 
Star Wars here. Um, that was fun. Um, I think that like a couple – there are some, you know, questions with regards to um, the timing of everything. I think, you know, we all figured like, all right, John Favreau said that The Mandalorian takes takes place five, six years after Return of the Jedi. So I guess we're seeing, you know, we see Boba come out of the Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit and then we see him in the current day in scenes that are set after that um, little uh, after credit sequence that we saw at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2. So there's, you know... Uh, a period of some years that we're covering here. And um, at some point, Boba Fett mentions like years ago or something. Anyway, it, it's a bit unclear where those years have been spent. Like how long was he in the Silac pit and how long was he with the Tuscans? Um Yeah, my feeling is that we that probably the Sarlacc pit was not that long, um, but that we probably saw a very compressed uh, version of how long he was with the Tuscan tribe. Um, perhaps they could have done something something visually to give us a bit more of a clue as to how much time was passing. Um, that would have been cool, I think. Until they, until they uh, make it clearer, um, I'm going to keep it as my head canon that he was with the Tuscans for some years. Um, another thing is, so Boba mentions, like, getting back at that bloated whatever, talking about Bib Fortuna, and saying like he needs to get back at him for double crossing him. And um, I'm not the only person who has said, "What double cross?" Like. Are we going to see something? Because, you know, Bob, that scene where the droid says, congratulations, you are now fully healed. That seemed like a pretty obvious, like, end to the flashbacks. Which would suggest that we won't see anything else between Bobber and, um, and Bib Fortuna. So, was, is there some double cross that we haven't seen yet? Or is Boba just saying, like, he didn't come into the Sarlacc pit and look for me? <laughs> Which is a bit of a stretch to call that a double cross. Like, I would not be in a big hurry to go and look for my mates if they had um, plunged themselves into the, uh, into the Sarlacc pit. So it will be interesting to see. Are we, uh, is there more to that story or is are we... Is it like we're seeing, we've seen what it is already. Um, I'm also interested, um, like, so Fennec Chan straight asks him, like, why do you want to, you know, lead a gotra or a family? And Boba Fett says, I'm sick of working for idiots. I'm sick of putting my life on the line for... You know, bad reasons, basically. 
so I don't want to live that life anymore. And that's fine. But, you know, when, when, they, when they were setting up how important the Tuscans were to him and then they wiped them out, I really thought we were going to get some kind of really fiery, volcanic uh, revenge kind of thing where Boba would feel like I finally found my crew, I finally, or my people, you know, I was ready to live, my, live out my life with those people and the Pikes basically killed, uh, well, as far as he knows so far, it was the Nikto uh, Pikers who did it, but I think most people see that probably it's heading in the direction of um, of uh, the Pikes having their fingers uh, all over that. Um, so, yeah, I kind of felt like a little bit more righteous fury behind that. The, the desire to be a, a crime boss would have been cool. A bit more of a, you know, a kind of a feeling of I've been... Um, like they, these people have to pay for what they did to my family, basically, you know. I think I would have liked that uh, a bit better than just a uh, kind of feeling like, ah, I'm sick of this. I think I can do better. But who knows? We have three episodes to go. Um, yeah, I, I got to say, like, Boba being such an animal lover, <laughs> it doesn't go against how I felt the character was at all, really. I think um, I really like that aspect of, of, of him. I love, I loved that stuff with the Rancor in, in uh, Chapter 3. I loved this stuff with the Bantha in this chapter. Um, to me, being a lover of animals makes you no less tough <laughs> and no less dangerous. Um, so yeah, I like that. Um, it was a pretty cool moment to see from a distance that uh, stuff from Chapter Five of uh, the, the first, you know, of the Mandalorian, where you see um, from a distance those flares that Din Djarin and Toro Calican, shout out to the Colonel, um, were using to blind Fennec Shand. That was really cool. Uh, I, I get, I've said this before, like I don't really understand the psychology of this why do we react to seeing you know c strong interconnectedness between stories like this for some reason that's just enough to make you go ooh yeah that's awesome yeah so that was a cool thing to see um the fight between uh, black chrysanthemum and the trandoshans was Pretty cool. It was good. I feel a little bit like um, some kind of mini, like little altercation between them to spot to kick that off, rather than him just just attacking them for you know, not no reason. You know, the 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 Wookies and the Trandoshans don't get along, but. Um, I don't know, like uh, some people have pointed out, maybe this was really to establish that Black Chrysanthemum 
is a loose cannon. And even when he's on uh, Boba's side, you might kind of need to keep an eye on him because you don't know what he's going to do. If that was the pl- if that was why that was set uh, you know done that way, then thumbs up. I like that. Um, Gaza Thwip was uh, Gaza Thwip. Am I saying it right? Thwip Thwip. I got to look that name up. She was really cool in that episode. Um, some people have said like it's a bit um, getting a bit samey in terms of the locations and the visual stuff, and I, I can agree with that. Um, something that the Mandalorian did so well was taking you to different planets and different places in every episode, more or less. Um, so yeah, I find myself a little, you know, a little bit hungering for different looking locations, but yeah, overall I thought it was a fun episode and, um, I got to assume that we're going to st- hit that part of the story where things start to move a bit more quickly, which will be cool. But, I mean, I've enjoyed the kind of the uh, the, the slightly sleepy pace of the show, to be honest. Um, that's, I mean, if you're going to do some, something, you know, that's uh, influenced by Westerns, that's the pace they move at usually. Um, speaking of Westerns... Um, Something I'm going to bring up with uh, Brandon is um, the theme for the Book of Boba Fett. I've talked about it before. Um, I didn't love it at first, but now I'm really into it. Um, of course, that is heavily influenced by Ennio Morricone. But is that all it's influenced by? More to come on that. All right. Um, bit of Star Wars rumor news. I think it came out today or yesterday. Um, Hollywood Reporter, I believe, is reporting that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been signed up to play a role in the upcoming Ahsoka TV series. Um, If you're not familiar with that name, you might know her from movies like Death Proof and the Harley Quinn film. She was also in a season of Fargo. Uh, the one with Ewan McGregor, who she happens to be married to. Um, no idea who she will be playing, but holy moly, I think she's great. And um, yeah, that's a great addition to that cast, if it turns out to be true. All right. Now, uh, I have been um, digging into the art of The Mandalorian Season 1. Again, just... Mm, these images just go like straight to my Star Wars heart. They do. There is something about the perfection of the imagery and the grit of the brush stroke brush strokes. It like it plugs directly into how Star Wars feels to me. Um, and while I don't love the Mandalorian as much as I love um, most of the films. Um, I think design-wise, there there's a ton of stuff they did superbly, superbly well. Um, one little thing that stood out to me um, was... It's actually connected to Chapter 1 of the Book of Boba Fett. The creature at the end that Boba, you know, fights, you know, when he's out with the, the chi- that Tuscan child and the Rodian... Um, a lot of people 
commented that um, that creature really looks like um, uh, a Ray Harryhausen creature. And um, I think they are right because uh, I'm going to just read this little thing about... Um, you might remember in the first episode, the first chapter of The Mandalorian... Um, Ravenac, there's a, there's a, I think that's the name of the creature. You know, comes up from out of the ice and tries to take a bite out of the Razor Crest. So, um, the yeah, that creature was inspired by the look of uh, walruses. So, um, uh, I'd like to read what Doug Chang, the legendary Doug Chang, had to say about the design of that creature. Here we go. John Favreau and I both love old Ray Harryhausen movies. Bam! There you go. So I, I think um, the Ray Harryhausen look of the creature from the Book of Boba Fett, not an accident. So, um, sorry, to continue. John Favreau and I both love old Ray Harryhausen movies. He came up with the idea of having this crazy walrus monster. And I immediately thought of Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, which I saw at the same time as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Those are the two films that had the greatest influence on my career. In some of the early pieces, I made the walrus huge because I wanted a big mon... Sorry, I'm, I don't have my glasses on and it's kind of dark in here. Okay, this is better. Let's try that again. In some of the early pieces... I made the walrus huge because I wanted a big monster moment. And John said, no, this is a small creature. It's not really a menacing thing. Mando is not threatened by him. In fact, he's more annoyed. <laughs> yeah, nice. I mean, Doug Chang, what a champ. All right, another little thing that stuck out in, um, in the art of The Mandalorian Season 1 for me was... Um, a little bit of information about Dave Filoni and his um, forays into live action. Now, um, you know, a lot of the kind of internet or YouTube grifters out there like to um, make up stories about um, problems or issues behind the scenes at Lucasfilm. Of course there are some problems and issues. Like, I mean, think of every job you've ever had. There's always people who get along better than some people get get along better than others and that's that's just the way it is um but a lot of that stuff is super 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 just made up you know um i think i mean this has been reported before but it was nice to read it in some kind of detail here uh so they talked about how um i mean Kathleen Kennedy started sending Dave Filoni to live the live-action film sets from The Force Awakens, as early as that. So he was there for the on set for The Force Awakens. He was on set for Rogue One, etc., etc., etc. But I'd like to read this little excerpt. Here we go. But Filoni's greatest education as a live-action director may have come on the set of Star Wars The Last Jedi in early 2016. Filoni rec recounted that, quote, Ryan Johnson had me right up next to him with the camera. 
He shoved lenses in my hand and said, look through here. He would bring me along to show me how to block a scene. Ryan was so supportive of my interest in doing live action, as was his producer, Ram Bergman. They really made me feel like this was something that I could do. So I just, you know, I, I like to... I like to see stuff like that because it just kind of confirms for me that um, this this kind of ridiculous idea of um, there being, you know, these kind of uh, factions and battles behind the scenes. Don't believe everything you read, folks. Um, yeah. it's And I love the idea of Ryan Johnson, like, because uh, Ryan Johnson seems like a super nice guy. Dave Filoni seems like a ni- super nice guy. I like the idea of these... Nice dudes just helping each other out. And um, yeah, it was nice to read. All right. It is time. Uh, I'm very excited to be interviewing Brandon Winerdy. He, um, yeah, his contrib- contribution to my experience of Star Wars has been huge. Um, so let's jump in. Here is my interview with Brandon Winerdy. All right, we're here talking to Brandon Winerdy from the incredible Talking Bay 94 podcast. Brandon, how you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I am uh, thrilled, actually. Um, I am such a huge fan of what you do. Um, I think that um, I, I repeat myself quite often with, with this, but I really think that the interviews you're doing are going to be something that we can look back on for, for years to come. Like the material that you're digging out is uh, really incredible stuff. I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. It's, it's been a lot of fun and uh, it's really, uh, really great for me looking back and just kind of even scrolling through the list and thinking about the people I've gotten to talk to that I've like admired for so long. So um, it's really just, it's been for me and I'm so glad other people enjoy it uh, in any way. So, so um, did, uh, did you have any kind of like contact within the the community there that got you started or was it um was, did the idea for the podcast come and then you went out searching yeah uh it, it was kind of a, a combo of both uh it the the podcast started uh right after i watched the last jedi and i was just like well mm-hmm. not even it was right before and i was just like last jedi fever and i was so excited for new star wars and i kind of was just uh, back home for Christmas, and I was reading, and I was like, I wonder if there are any like Star Wars podcasts because I, you know, growing up, I'd listened to a few, um, and then I kind of fell out for you know maybe at five ten years, um, and I found mm. um, Blast Points, um, and I <laughs> I spent Christmas, and they know the story, but I spent Christmas just like listening to like sixty mm. episodes of Blast Points, and I was like, this is the best, and they're still the best, uh, and then I, I texted my buddy. And I was like, I really want to do a Star Wars podcast. I really want it to be something unique and something different that's not being done right now. Um, And I kind of just brainstormed and I kind of thought through it. And I grew up in Plano, Texas. And Plano, Texas is Mm -hmm. um, not noteworthy at all. But for a little bit, it was the home of – it was called Star Wars Fan Days. And Star Wars Fan Days was pretty much on the off years of celebration. There would be Star Wars Fan Days run by the same company, Official Picks, and they would bring in incredible guests. Just like if you look at the – they're still up on like Wikipedia and stuff. You can see the people they would bring in from all around the world 
Um, they would get Ben Burt. They would get they would just get like crazy behind the scenes names and and really interesting actors that have really never done appearances since. Um, and so I, I grew up going to those. And, you know, I was friends with a few of them on Facebook or I knew managers. I kind of knew that angle and I was working in entertainment at the time as well. Um, And so I kind of saw an opportunity where I could reach out to a couple people that I knew and see if it was possible to interview them um, that I just like tangentially knew I was Facebook friends with, like really no personal connection at all. And a few people were very nice and and the first five episodes um, I'm still like very indebted to because those people then um, recommended me to their friends and recommended me to the people they had worked with and recommended me to other other agents. Um, and it really kind of kickstarted it all. So like once I had the first five, it kind of made it a little more um, <laughs> legitimate. Mm. And then I recorded probably ten, uh, and then launched uh, the week of the solo premiere. So I was probably a six month like getting ready period, mm-hmm. and then solo came out, and then been going been going ever since that's amazing like I, I can imagine yeah it's a bit of a domino effect you know once you've got a few under your belt and people you know like because i'm sure a lot of people kind of talk to each other and say oh yeah i oh, yeah, know that guy he's nice yeah 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 i think you'll have fun if you go yeah. on his show you know and uh, i guess it yeah like i said it's kind of a domino yeah. effect uh, but i was gonna ask you like uh i i think um like I'm such a, I really appreciate your approach to interviewing people. You're like, you're so well researched and everything before you uh, get into those conversations. And I feel like the people you're interviewing really respond to that and really uh, are kind of grateful that you've done your homework. Kind of. Um, do you have any kind of like a, like a policy that you like to stick to when it comes to interviewing, or do you, does this style just come naturally to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you listen to the shows, it's pretty much the same exact style every episode, which is I do it chronologically. Mm-hmm. I make sure I talk about inspirations and in early childhood and things that made them excited to get into whatever field they are in. Um, and then I really make mm-hmm. sure, obviously, Star Wars is a focus of the show, but I really do make sure to talk mm-hmm. about things that are not Star Wars for people. And that really does warm them up and right. make them excited to talk about, you know, not the same thing over and over again. And then the second part of that is I really do a lot of research. Like, as you said, um, both listening and reading to other interviews they've done in the past so I know what they're comfortable talking about. But then trying not to ask the same exact questions that they've been asked just so that they don't feel like they're telling the same stories over and again. And I've gotten to a – not trouble is the wrong word, but I've sometimes I'll get into a position where I know there's a story, I know there's something, and I'll pry a little bit or I'll, I'll go a little too far. And those are always mm-hmm. actually the episodes or the interviews where I'm not as um, excited about them or as um, pumped about about them because it's not as natural. And I really do love kind of the natural conversation mm-hmm. that comes out. And so, and then the, the third part of every episode is just like heavy heavy editing. And so if I record with someone for an hour, Mm. it ends up being a 30 minute episode. And so when the guest listens back, it seems very concise. It seems very, and they're always like, oh, that's great. I'm like, yes, I did cut out, you know, 30 minutes of things that maybe were not as important or (laughs) things that were asides or Mm. ums or whatever it is. And uh, it is just kind Mm. of a a process of of getting the best story out of each person. I mean, you're amazing at that. Like, I think... um it really like really struck me um, that one of your recent interviews, it wasn't the last one, but maybe the one before, um, 
he was <clears throat> one of the stunt guys who worked most on the, uh, is it Julius Lafleur? Is that how you pronounce his Lafleur. name? Lafleur, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it just like, I, I just had the thought like, how many podcasts would even think to interview him really? Um, but <laughs> his stories were just mind blowing. Like I just loved yeah. it. And I'm like, this is not Harrison Ford and this is not, you know, Gary Kurtz or this is like, you know, and yet it is, it, I just found it so entertaining and the guy was amazing. And I was just like, oh, thank God that, you know, that Brandon's doing what he does. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really do love obviously talking to big names or, or, or people that I admire, but really the best stories and the best episodes are the ones that are the really, really behind the scenes people that are very talented and had incredible experiences that really, you know, no book was written about them. They're not really in any making of documentary or or Rinsler yep. book. And so it is kind of um, an honor to, to tell their stories mm. and to, to get to know them and to have them be be in the spotlight for a moment. Mm, fantastic. So um, which interviewee has made you most nervous? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's always the ILM guys. It's always the the old old guard. Ah, yeah. uh, and really, the, the two that made me the most nervous, uh, Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett, are both just like I was very, very nervous. Dennis Murin, um, very kind and very... Um, he is such a, a great spokesperson right. for that generation. And Phil Tippett, I've interviewed three or four times mm. now, and every time I'm just like very nervous wow. to talk to him because he's very he's mm-hmm. he's great, and I he is like one of my heroes. Um, but it's kind of like what you're talking about. You really have to ask him different questions, and you have to ask him different things because he is tired of talking about the same thing over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, and so finding the, the nuggets right. within there is, is very tough and uh, very intimidating for sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's when you're, you're kind of almost like looking at their hands and you're going, those are the hands that did the thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, I have to say like one of the things like – Sometimes in Star Wars, you know, Facebook groups or whatever, some, sometimes people will say, like, um, I want to start listening to podcasts. What, what should I listen to? And I always, always put, put your name in there because, um, yeah, well, I, I, I think, you know, without getting too far into it, you know, the, the state of the Star Wars fandom is something that's been talked about a lot. And uh, I think one of the mm. glorious things about your podcast is it doesn't matter like what your background is, what Star Wars is, quote unquote, your Star Wars. Like it's just about mm-hmm. like positivity, positivity and enjoyment and, uh, and learning. And um, I think your podcast of all the Star Wars podcasts is the one that you can recommend to every single Star Wars fan on the planet, actually. I appreciate that. I might, I might steal that uh, for, for a testimony on our website, uh, but I appreciate that. And I think a lot of that does stem, obviously people can appreciate the people that worked on on something. And I think even yep. the Star Wars things that maybe don't hit as 100% as other things for me, right? Thing, things I might not enjoy as much, but getting to talk to people that obviously worked hard on something and, and were passionate about something um, really does add to your enjoyment of of a movie or a TV show or a, an episode of whatever. And um, I hope that that's been the case for other people, right? If they're listening to someone that worked on a movie they didn't really enjoy or an episode of tea they didn't really enjoy, but they can understand like, oh, this person wasn't like actively trying to <laughs> ruin their childhood. Uh, yeah. And it was just someone that's like fun. And 
passionate and very talented. Mm. Um, I do think that that aids aids kind of like what you're saying, um, growing within the the community and growing within the fandom beyond just like I like this, I did not like this. Right. So. Um... Your kind of love and um, passion for the behind-the-scenes stuff is really evident. Um, what was it, you know, like as a kid, do you remember the moment that you kind of realized that there were real humans making this stuff and what that moment was where you went like, I want to learn more about this? Yeah, um, it was, uh, it's always kind of been there for me, especially with Star Wars specifically, and it was um, the special editions came out. Uh, and they came out on VHS mm. and before the VHS um, on the special editions, there was the the small documentaries, very, very mm. small documentaries, uh, kind of a spliced anatomy of a do-back mm. with also some additional interviews with, with cast and crew. And that was the first time, again, Dennis Murin was on there. Nice. Um, I remember like seeing Mark Hamill and being like, oh, that's like a person and not just like a character. And it really then kind of spiraled from there. Right. And as I got older... Uh, and the internet occurred, uh, I was able to really kind of dive deep because uh, then mm. the prequels started coming out and the prequels were so good. And George, I think, was very hyper aware that not only was it important to tell the story of Star Wars, but also tell the story of the making of Star Wars and so evident with the documentaries that are on the DVDs mm. and the featurettes that were on the website and all the elements that kind of came um, with the Do you remember those like webcam? Was it wasn't it just like they had web webcam yeah. running at one? It yes. was in like bonkers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and all of that really kind of yeah. I, I mean, I remember sitting like I was living in Japan at the time, and I was just like I just remember sitting there at at our like desktop computer going. <laughs> making Star Wars over there, wow. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it really teaches you, again, about, like, the passion and love that goes into to making something. And, uh, and yeah, so it kind of just all started from there. And, again, I really credit Lucasfilm at the time being so open and so um, hyper-aware of people wanting to know how, how the magic is made. And it really, really made an impact. So you mentioned that you work in entertainment yourself. Um, if, hypothetically, you were ever offered a job doing something at Lucasfilm. I'm assuming the, it would, the answer would be a huge yes, but would you feel any sense of like loss of that pure like position of being an audience member who uh, is able to just watch the magic unfold? Yeah, definitely. And I, I've been in a lot of positions where I've been very lucky where I've worked with companies or with brands that I really loved and, and still love. Mm. And so you do, you lose an element of... Being a fan, I think a great example is I worked for a long time um, for my college, for, for Texas A&M, and I worked in the athletic program, and I grew up loving A&M football and A&M basketball and was a huge fan, and then I was able to work directly with those teams and behind the scenes and doing the marketing and doing a lot of that stuff, and you do lose the element of being just a fan, an observer, a, a person that can just sit in the stands, and you do have to kind of help make the magic happen. and. And you lose an element, obviously, like you said, um, but then you also kind of gain a different side, a different appreciation, and you're able to use your fandom and your memories and what you know other fans will respond to um, as really a, a huge pos positive impact on, on your job and on your role. And I think that's applied in every job that I've had. And Star Wars would be interesting, obviously, because you're kind of removing the curtain behind you and the brand. Mm. Um, and so, I, I, of course, I would say yes. And it would really depend, obviously, on, on the position, on the job. And there have been a few, um, you know, that have, that have popped up 
but um, but yeah, I think it really is kind of making what you love about Star Wars part of part of your job and part of your career and part of you know the the creativity that I love about Star Wars. You can apply in anything, not just working for Lucasfilm, right? Um, and I think that's an important yeah. thing to always consider um, whether you're working for the company or not. Absolutely. Great. So um, and you must be pretty familiar with the cutscenes from uh, – well, we've never seen mm-hmm. the Rise of Skywalker cutscenes, but uh, for the rest, there are plenty out there. Right. Do you have a favorite? A favorite cutscene? Let me think. I uh... – I love the extended pod race, mm-hmm. um, yep. just because more pod race is always great. Uh, I do love the the um, Anchorhead scenes with Biggs yeah. and Cammy and Fixer and everything, and it was nice seeing Cammy and mm-hmm. Fixer and Book of Boba. And I think that is special to me because those were the first that I ever really saw. Right, it was on that what was it called Behind the Magic CD, mm-hmm. and you had to like it was like kind of a secret, a weird secret. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's like <laughs> new stories that I've never seen before, and it was always kind mm. of like talked about or you read like a, a blurb about it and insider saw a picture of Biggs. Mm. And so seeing that was very formative and very, um, very cool. And then I got to talk to Anthony Forrest who played Fixer and talking all about those scenes, which were the first scenes they ever filmed for Star Wars. Oh, did you? Um, oh, and it was I like, you know, Mark Hamill just being a kid <laughs> and they were like riding camels in the desert before filming and all these crazy things. And, um, and so the Anchorhead scenes might be my favorite cut scenes, especially because of all the cut scenes, they are kind of the most canonized, I guess. Like they do exist and they were in the novelization and they and the you know, have action too, figures right? of, of – yeah, exactly. And so mm. – um, and they exist, which is great. Like they, they exist in a very full form. Mm. Um, and so I do, I do really love those. Fantastic. So um, uh, you talk about books a lot. On the on on the, like you interview authors and um, you are mm-hmm. obviously very into the books. I have a question for you: Do you listen to Star Wars soundtracks while you're reading Star Wars novels, or do you find it distracting, or do you find that the the scene and the music don't always match up right? Yeah, I uh, I actually just had that thought this morning when I woke up this morning. I uh, hadn't gotten a chance to read uh, Fallen Star yet, uh, the new Claudia Gray yep. book, uh, and I, I was reading it this morning, and I was downstairs mm. and I was on my Spotify trying to figure out what I was going to listen to, and and I just was like, oh, I could listen to a Star Wars playlist, or I just have like a reading playlist that's just like classical music that helps me, like you said, just kind mm-hmm. of focus on the words. Um, so, yeah, I think right now when I'm reading, I really – any book, but even Star Wars, I'll just read with with just like a blank soundtrack behind me just to not clutter anything or not to to think about anything. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I've been currently currently approaching. That, that's great. Like I think for – like when I'm reading novels that don't have that obvious – you know, musical kind of history to it, then I can pick, like, I'm just going to pick that. And it's not very yeah. invasive. It's like, uh, and yeah. I'm, it's just going to like go perfectly with with what I'm reading the whole way. But I find like, I, I do listen to Star Wars soundtracks, but sometimes it's like, it's a quiet moment and uh-huh. you've got like, you know, this kind of action stuff. It's just not quite right. Almost, but no. Man, I am, oh, it's sitting right here. I've been making my way through all the art of books and... Oh, nice. Am I right? Are, are they not just like some of the best Star Wars media that exists? 
Oh, yeah. They are um, so great. And obviously, Phil Shostak has really mm-hmm. kind of stepped up into the, the Rinsler making of realm of making yes. sure that we get these stories. Uh, and they are – it's nice. It's good and bad in the sense that we don't really also have – a making of Mandalorian book, right? Like if when episode one come out, mm-hmm. you get a making of book and, a, and an art of book. Um, and we haven't right. really had those for any of the Disney things um, beyond yep. maybe solo sort of. Um, and so mm, yeah, right. Showstack and his team have been very effective with tying in a lot of the making of stories within the, the art of books, which is nice because like a lot of the times with the art of books – you know, you kind of just gloss over the words and you just look at the great concept art and you're like, that's great, wonderful. Yep. But with especially like the, the Manda book that you just showed and and everything, mm. you, you get so many great stories and so many great nuggets into the actual filmmaking process in addition to the, the great concept art. And they've been, they like you said, have been my favorite pieces of Star Wars media. And we're about to get the Art of Mando season two in a couple weeks, which is going to be uh, awesome. And uh, I, I've seen it and it's awesome. Wow. And uh, I can't wait for, for more people to, to see it and talk about it because there's some really, really cool stuff in there. Fantastic. Yeah. I just, um, I think I'm trying to remember which one I picked up first. I think it was might have been Solo or Rogue One. I can't remember. But I was just like. <laughs> just wow so um yeah 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 fantastic um now you mentioned you do uh mention sometimes on the show and even online about your collecting uh-huh. i'm yeah. staring right now in the background the uh, empire strikes back crew jacket yeah so i noticed that sometimes on on twitter you reach out to the people for help and the help you're asking for is for them to discourage you from mm-hmm. buying expensive and unnecessary things from eBay. So my question Correct. is, has anyone ever discouraged you from buying anything or are people completely useless and not helping you in any way? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a secret for this show. I'll, I'll tell you a secret, which is uh, if I ever post, do not let me buy this on Twitter about an <laughs> eBay listing. It is because for the most – it's only happened like once or twice where I've been like convinced to buy it. Mm-hmm. But really it's because I don't actually want it. If I do want something on eBay, mm. I will not – I'm not going to post the link. I'm not going to say anything until it shows up here. Otherwise, because one time I posted something <laughs> um, and I still think about it. It was um, – uh, Indiana Jones stunt show spectacular pennant, like it was like felt like uh, flag that was made for the show, uh, and I posted it and I was like, ah, oh, should I buy this? And everyone was like, yeah, you should buy this. What are you talking about? And then someone had gone in and bought it during that time, and I was like, never again. And so whenever I post, don't let me buy this. Most most of the time, it's because I don't really want it. And there's there's ten other yeah. things that are currently being. Uh, bid on or have offers in. So that's that's like my little um, smoke screen. It's a little uh, secret. Otherwise, I would have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Now I, I know how to interpret that. That's now good. you know, that's yeah. So, yeah, now I know. So, um, you know, we, we've talked about your collection. You, you have a big collection of books as well. Do you collect the, the toys? I Actually, I'm not sure. Do you collect the toys much? The- uh, a little bit, and I'm very specific on what I collect. Um, I, I, mm. I, my closet right here which you can, uh, is a little bit mm. full of older uh, toys of mostly expanded universe stuff I really like. I like when they make 
you know, oh, here's Dark Empire Luke or whatever it is, right? Like, I think that's very interesting. And so I have a collection of that. I have anything that they make with Macquarie or with concept art I think is very interesting. So I have all those concept figures. Um, and then with um, – and then very rarely, maybe once every three or four months, I'll buy a Black Series figure. Um, mm. And most of the time, again, it's something that's like here's Grand Admiral Thrawn or here's Jackson or here's whatever. And then yep. m- more recently, what, how they've been getting me is they've been doing this 50th anniversary of Lucasfilm thing where they've been repackaging a lot of their Black Series figures in The Power of the Force or the Episode 1. Oh, yeah. And it's big and it's shiny and it's great. And so I'll buy all of those because those were the toys that I grew up with. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, I'll buy that. Um, So I'm looking – those are some of the things I have. But really, like, um, I don't buy as many action figures or as many toys for the most part. And then every so often I'll be like, oh, like I want that, you know, Black Series Mm -hmm. prototype, you know, FET helmet or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the time with the toys, I, I love like weird things or custom things. Again, really focusing on behind the scenes or or um, things that are a little more custom or, or that I um, sometimes will reach out to someone like, can you help me make this? And so that's kind of the the direction I've taken right now. Fantastic. Is there an adult version of playing with your toys? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right now, it's just uh, they are on a shelf uh, and get dusted every yep. so often So or stay in a box. Oh, the uh, dusting. The yeah. dusting is terrible. It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, for me too, it's about like placement and, uh, and that kind of thing. But I, I, I have to admit, um, I actually, uh, so I'm from Australia originally, but mm-hmm. I'm living in Sweden. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, my the gaps between visits have been pretty long. And uh, But the last time I was in Australia, I pulled out the Star Wars bags. Uh-huh. And I actually straight up, like kid style, played Star Wars. There we go. Just, like, Love it. <laughs> I set them up. I made whooshing noises and pew And it pew feels noises. good, right? It feels good. I had a good time. Yeah. I really did. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. So um, we... I feel like um, with the rise of Skywalker, that was almost like the the kind of like the the end of that era in a way of that first uh, run of Disney stuff. Can you remember what your reaction was that that day when they announced sale to uh, sale of Lucasfilm to Disney, seven eight nine are coming? Like um, I, I've talked on on the show about my reaction to to uh-huh. that that moment. Can you remember what yours was? Yeah, I actually I remember exactly. It was I was uh, in the car. I was in college mm-hmm. still. I was in the car, and I, I I'm, I'm like at a red light, and I I'm, I'm just like online, and I see it, and I see like what you said. It said Disney um, is buying Lucasfilm. Seven Eight Nine are coming, and and then I do not remember how I got home. I just kind of like black out, and then I I, I I come to on my bed, just like laying there. And I'm like, oh, mm. uh, and then I, I, you know, I look at my phone. I just have a bunch of texts. Everyone's sending me the the link, which I've already seen. And I'm wow. just like, what is happening? Like, this is crazy. And then during that time, there were all those like interviews with George and Kathy, and and um, talking about all that stuff too. And it was just like a really interesting mm. period in Star Wars. But it was so exciting. I was just like so, so excited. Uh, but yeah, that initial shock was was a shock. I just was not <laughs> expecting that at all. Um, very crazy times. I remember talking to my friend and I said, you know, this makes me feel not just better about Star Wars. It makes me feel better about my entire life. <laughs> right? You got something to look forward to. You got, yeah, it's, it's great. Like, yes. Yeah. 
Wow. And now, like, I mean, when season two of The Mandalorian finished and I was just like, oh, what am I going to do now? Right. I, I can't. I can't live like this. Right. What? There's no new Star Wars coming this week. Right. What do <laughs> I do? Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Nice. Um, so how are you doing with the, uh, with the Book of Boba Fett? I, it's, you know, like you said, it is so nice just having, like, having new Star Wars every week is mm. crazy. Like, that's such a crazy thing. Again, yeah. like we're talking about when, when that yeah. announcement of Episode 7 came out, mm. we had spent from 2005 to that moment, or it was probably 10 years, right? Uh, maybe a little less, but of, mm. of just, like, really nothing, right? Like, mm. Revenge of the Sith came out. We had Clone Wars, which was great. We had a little bit of Rebels, whatever it was, right? And we were like, oh, this is fine. And But then it was just, mm. like, a bunch of – and I love that era because it is, again, the era that I was – very in the fan community, but it was a very small mm. fan community. It was yep. very like there's an M&M partnership. There's a NASCAR <laughs> partnership. It was like all these like little things like George Lucas yep. is in the Rose Parade, like all these like little things that were like mm-hmm. really had to hype up to be big things because there was nothing. And now we're just getting mm. stuff all the time. And it yeah. all, and again, that's like I don't like saying like, oh, I'm like very positive all the time. But like that's where mm. so much of my like um, appreciation of all this comes from because there was a moment mm. where there was not a lot of new Star Wars at all. And now we're just yeah. getting so much Star Wars, whether it's High Republic or it's comics or it's Book of Boba Fett or it's Mando, whatever it is. Yes. And we're just getting it all the time. And if you like something, mm. you don't like something, you can be like, oh, there's a new Star Wars thing for me this year. There's a new yes. video game. There's a new TV show. There's a new movie, whatever mm-hmm. it is, which is crazy. And it's all been very fun and very enjoyable just to be on that process and be in that ride um and book but if it's the same way where it's like you know week three i was not like as amped uh but like week two was just like the best star wars live action we've gotten in a long time and week four was a lot of fun and i'm like okay like every week i get to wake up i get to drink some coffee i get to watch a new star wars for an hour and Mm -hmm. that's that's something that like i don't know how people can be so mad about it like it's so much fun it's so great so i think i mean like you said it's so easy to forget like this is not at all the way it like it was and right. also it's not at all the way it had to be like i mean george could have said star wars goes to the grave with me folks and um <laughs> yeah. you know like he could he very easily have said that and right. said you continue making an- animation if you want but uh, no more movies no more no tv nothing and that's what would have been it really and um yeah. We yeah so I uh, yeah like you said I I'm really it's just it, yeah. every time I sit down I and I do that same thing sit down the cup of coffee the, I black out because it's daytime so I have to black out the you know the uh-huh. curtains because I don't want any light in the room and uh, and before I hit play I think to myself I'm about to watch new Star Wars <laughs> on right? my couch this is this yeah. yeah it's like I'm dreaming yeah it's 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 crazy yeah so. Uh, with regards to the future of Star Wars on the big screen, um, mm-hmm. I, it, I I have to say I don't I'm not uh, like I don't envy whoever has to decide what that's going to look like because um, <laughs> right. I I just feel like because I, I was a huge fan of of the new films actually and I so of mm-hmm. course I feel like oh, well I want to see Ray and Finn and and, and Poe back it, but. Yeah, the end of the saga has to be. You have to let it sit, because otherwise, what yep. was it all for? If a new, if a new uh, darkness rises only five years after all right. of that, so I think you have to let that sit for a while. And so what? So 
it, the funny thing is, you know, he, with all the millions of hours of Star Wars talk that, you know, we <laughs> absorb, I don't right. really hear anyone saying it should be this, it should be that. So I kind of wonder, do you have any ideas? <laughs> what would you do if you were in, in the position <laughs> I, uh, to decide? Yeah, I, I, like you said, I think it needs a time to sit and needs a time to kind of relax. And I think that's like I love Marvel, uh, and I but I think it's a great example mm. where this past year for Marvel, besides Spider Man, really mm. has not really hit as much for me as it normally does. And I wonder if there was a time yeah, yeah. where if they had just ended with Endgame, if they were like, okay, Endgame, well, mm. wonderful, capped everything crazy, and then mm. like just like didn't make a movie for like five years and still did the mm. TV show, still did whatever. I yep. think like we would, I mean, it would be much more of an event. I think you would be much more excited. And I'm yep. glad that's what yep. Star Wars is doing where we're getting the small screen mm. stuff. And obviously that small screen stuff does feel big. I think Kenobi's gonna feel more like a movie than Anything, right? Oh, yes. I, you know, it's going to be. I think you're uh, right. Epic, um, mm. and I, I hope. I mean, obviously, that's going to continue with more small screen stuff. I would. I think Taika was the only movie that was announced. I want to say maybe the Taika movie. Rogue, and it was Rogue Squadron. Oh, Rogue and, Squadron. And, and you're right. The Taika movie. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. And so I guess if Rogue Squadron doesn't air, happen. Mm. Yeah, um, but I think those are both the correct directions to go. Is for a second, just like. Try things, mm. you know, uh, go back in time or go, you know, talk about mm. people that we don't know for a second. And that way we can mm -hmm. kind of, again, get reset. Because like you said, I still want to see where Ray's story goes and where Finn's story goes and where everyone goes. But I yep. don't know if the time is there yet. I also don't know if those actors are ready for it yet. Um, I do no, think there's some think small screen opportunities, right? Obviously, like they're talking about like a Lando show, and that would have Janna, that would have Billy D, and that would be obviously post episode nine. I'm sure that you would see Finn or you would see whoever, right? That'd Dude. be cool. Um, and so I think there's small screen opportunities to extend the story. I think there's some book opportunities mm. to extend the story a little bit. Let's maybe get five years past and then start exploring what what it looks like. Because again, I I don't think that you can you know, tell Ray's story right now. And so I would love to see weird stuff. I'd love to see different stuff. I think Visions is such a great example of of seeing something weird and different and new that still feels intrinsically Star Wars. And anything we can do to to expand what Star Wars feels like in this mm -hmm. time where we don't have to just say, oh, we have a new movie coming out every year is a really great opportunity, I think, for for Star Wars to grow and to to kind of grow beyond what it currently is is and so hopefully that continues. I don't know if that answered your question, but I would love to just see more weird stuff, especially on the big screen and not just relegate it mm. to the small screen. Yeah. I'm happy that um that's something that uh, with the book of Boba Fett, because of the the nature of the character, it so easily could have been this like, you know, like tough grim like kind of Dude, bro, right. show, and the fact that they've got <laughs> Red Catcher Droid, and you know, I think right. that flavor is such a part of the Star Wars soup. And if you if you don't have it, you 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 you, you don't really have the right flavor to me, at least. Now, mm -hmm. Brandon, there's something I wanted to run by you. Now, um, I uh, I live in Sweden, and uh, a friend of mine called Axel, who um, was one of the founding members of a Swedish band called Graveyard, who some people out there may be familiar with. Um, uh, he called me the other day and he said, Tom, you're kind of like our resident Star Wars guy. Um, can you, uh, can I tell you something? I was like, all right, sure, go ahead. And he goes, all right, 
He says, I was watching Book of Boba Fett with my son. The episode finished. The theme song was playing. And my son goes, I know this. This Is this Star Wars? Isn't this uh, Ronya Revedotar? Now, you probably have not heard of that because it's a, um, a Swedish kid story written by the same woman who wrote Pippi Longstocking. Okay. And uh, a film... A film of this uh, was made, uh, was uh, produced in 1984. Okay. And now, I'm sure you're aware, Ludwig Göransson, the uh, composer behind the, you know, the Mandalorian music and the, the main themes of, uh, yeah, he's from Sweden. And he's around the same age as I and Axel, you know, 40-something. Uh-huh. And... Um, now, I'm not from Sweden, so I was not familiar with this at all. Uh-huh. But um, uh, let me just... I just want to check. Can you hear this if I play this? Let's see. I'm ready. Can you hear that? Yes. Can you hear the Boba Fett theme? Yeah. Okay. So this is the the Boba Fett theme that we're all familiar with at this point. Um, took me a minute to get into it, but now I'm totally in love yep. with it. Okay. So that's we're all familiar with that one. Now I would like you to like to play you the uh, this. Scene from this okay. movie um, that he sent to me. Uh, the beginning is not going to sound that familiar, but just give okay. it 30 seconds. I'll or give so. it a second. I'm ready. Mm. You know, when they do Disney Gallery for, I bet, I bet, I bet he's going to be like, oh, I yeah. was inspired by this. I bet it'll come out. I bet uh, he'll be proven correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's great. I, I mean, yeah, I, of course, when I first heard it, I went like, that sounds like Hans Zimmer. Uh, not Hans Zimmer. Uh, that sounds like uh, Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the kind of like, we can right. fight this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, when Axel sent me that, I was like, oh, man, that totally fits. Mm. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I love that. All right. Cool. Now, the other thing that I wanted to do is play with you a spot of what's that sound? Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. Hopefully, I don't fail this. I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, No, dude, failing is half the fun. Okay. Now, Brandon, you uh, have said... A lot of times on Talking Bay 94 that, uh, you know, like the, the prequels were what was, what was happening when you were a kid. And uh, so you have a, a strong connection to those films. Perhaps we will see if we can get into some of those, uh, <laughs> some of those sound effects and see what happens. Let's do a little test. Tell me if you can hear this. Uh, just Okay, here we go. <laughs> Did you hear that? I could hear it. I have no idea what that was. That's not when. Uh, yeah. Okay. But when we're not choosing that one because I have. I okay, can't even okay. begin to imagine. I was about to say I don't know what that one is. So okay, here we go. All right. 
This is cho chosen at random. Let's see what happens. What say you? Is that Zam Wessel's speeder? Oh, let's look it up. Ah, uh, actually, sorry, I, I misled you completely by bringing up the prequels because I didn't press the button. I didn't press oh, it forward is enough. It Think earlier. Think earlier. Okay. Can you play it again? Not prequels. Yeah, sure. Is it a speeder bike? Is it Return of the Jedi speeder bike? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> it's Return of okay. the Jedi. <laughs> Love it. So let's try another one. Oh, man, I have no idea what that would be. Is that, is that a sand Moment crawler? Uh, did you say sand crawler? Yeah. Huh. Let's see. Where are we? Let's, uh, turning the pages is part of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm encouraging people to read. Um, oh my God, you know what it was? What? The rolling of the droid cars. Oh, I love it. Can you play it again? That's great. Sure. This is what often happens when I do this by myself. I'm like... No, I no. have no idea. And then when you that's why read, I love the when book, you look it up, it, you're like, it, oh yeah, of course. I mean, it, the book is so great because it 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 um what's the word? It just isolates that sound that you're. It's so mm. ingrained to a larger soundscape, and so you're like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then you get to read like, oh, I don't yeah. know what it says in there, but it's like this is how Ben Burt recorded this, and you're like, that's crazy. Like that's such a cool, yes. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I have the Swedish one, and I can read Swedish, but it's not like oh. <laughs> my first language oh, at that's all. Great. Because it's crazy. Do you want me to pull out, do you want me to pull out the English if... one and, and, uh, and, and read you? <laughs> you can the... just read it out for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a very can. roundabout way to get educated, but why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. let me get it. Let's, let's try another one. Okay. I want that oh, Okay, well, no prizes for that no, one. Okay. <laughs> it's impossible to locate the ship. All right, we're, we're skipping ahead. I we're love skipping it. Ahead. I love let's it. try another one. That's crazy. I, I wonder. No if, I wonder if that's like a Geonosian thing. That seems like that. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, it feels like a repulsor technology of some kind. Mm. Hmm. There could be like a. I'm look a it up. Trade Federation. What's that ship called? The the transport ah, yeah. ship. Yes. Or oh, I think you're close. Hang on. <laughs> I thought that was. Oh, okay. You know what it was? What? Yeah, you're pretty... Yep. Trade Federation tank. Look at that. You know, like as they're coming over the over the green hill. In, yeah. Yep. There you go. All right. Uh, Brandon, I'll give you one more. Okay. Let's see what I'm happens. ready. Let's go on a high note. Listen again. I have no idea. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like a ship of some kind. Right? 
Okay. Huh. Oh my god, you know what it is? What? Jedi Starfighter flying by. Oh, love it. Love Jedi it. Jedi Starfighter flying by. Those Jedi yeah, Starfighters. So from the beginning of oh. Revenge of the Sith. So good, so good. Yeah. That's why you can't hear it, because it's just so. the drums. <laughs> you can't hear anything but the drums. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brandon, how sad are you that the that the soundtrack never included the war drum start to the to the movie? Man, I, I, I they keep doing expanded soundtracks, and I bet we'll eventually get an expanded prequel mm-hmm. soundtracks. So, you know, we're, we're getting mm. we're getting there. We got it for the new ones, right? We got or we got it, um, and so hopefully we get it for for the prequels yeah. too. Great, because like uh, I think episode three is the soundtrack I listen to most. Mm-hmm. Uh, like away from the films, you know. Um, and I remember when I got it, and I was like, "All right, let's do this." And I was like, "Where's where, where are the, the drums? drums?" It's like one of the most iconic right. mo- like musical moments in the film. But I mean, I kind of I can I understand why they did it. But, uh, but yeah, I hope you're right. I hope the expanded edition is on its way. Great. Brandon, it's been so nice to yeah. talk to you. Um, I'm such a fan of Talking Bay 94, and I'm uh, really happy that we got the chance to say, hey, uh, good luck uh, walking <laughs> steely-eyed into the future of Star Wars podcasting. <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> thank you, Tom. This was so great. That was such a great way to, to start my Saturday. Um, thank you for having me Perfect. on. Uh, really just a treat. Wow. Thank you again to Brandon Winerdy from the incredible Talking Bay 94 podcast. Again, people listening to the sound of my voice. Uh, if you have any interest whatsoever in uh, the behind the scenes aspect of Star Wars, his podcast is an absolute must listen. So uh, thank you again to him. Now, I really got to, you know, I, 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 I just got to finish up with a scene or two from our Last Jedi rewatch. So uh, the last scene we watched was uh, Luke and Ray on Akto. Um, Luke drops that line, it didn't scare me enough then, it does now. And here we join the Resistance again on the run from the First Order. And we start to see the slightly misinformed plan <laughs> of uh, Finn and Rose begin. Look at that. Ah, look. I just love Star Wars imagery. And, like, look at Ray's poncho. That's Star Wars. Look at, look at. Pogs. Pog, yeah, Pogs. I mean, the Pogs bothering Chewie are fantastic. I just I love Ray's outfit there with the poncho and the blaster. Just that is bang on, and I love this little callback. Like she's she's come a pl- from a place where she barely ever even sees water, and just that kind of thing of just like look at this water coming out of the sky. All right, here we go. We've got our next force back. I'm going to turn up the volume a bit. Why is the force connecting us? Why is the force connecting us? This is great stuff. I just love how ooh, Kylo is super just calm and he just seems... Re- this is a kind of an evil moment for him, I feel like. But he's like, 
He's learning that he wants to know Ray better here, I feel. Okay. This is an interesting point here. Listen. Yes, I am. All right. So I'm going to pause there. So Kylo remembers back to the forest on Starkiller Base. You called me a monster. And Ray says, you are a monster. And Kylo says, yes, I am. What's going on there? Is it... Um, do you think it's this thing of him trying to embrace this, um, this side of himself? And saying, yeah, I am evil. I killed my dad. Do you know what I mean? Like... Um, Trying to somehow prove to himself that he's, uh, you know, this big bad guy that he wants to be. Or is he reflecting on his actions and realizing, wow, I am, there is something wrong. I'm, I'm not a good guy. Look, look at what I've done. I'm not sure which one it is, but I love this bit. Okay, let's continue. Oh, the close-ups in this movie are 10 out of 10. And look at this. This is awesome. This sets up other other stuff in the, the films awesomely. Where, so Ray's, of course, in the, in the rain. And then you see Kylo. He has water on his face. And you can... Um, it sets up that physical things can travel across that force that force connection which of course comes into play in the rise of skywalker all right now we kick off on i have to admit my least favorite part of the film canto bite i tell you what okay i like i don't have that much to say about it it's I, like i remember there were some photos of costumes from The Last Jedi that came out before the film did. And I saw a lot of these um, Cantobite costumes and I remember just being like, they look a lot like normal, like, human outfits or like, like earth clothes, I should say. Now, oh, but how can I complain? Look at... The designs are totally killer. Like, the people... And all the creatures. It is amazing. All right. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I like about it at the same time. I tell you what. Like, um, so I went to see the film the first time. Didn't love Cando Bite. So the second time, didn't love Cando Bite. The third time I went to see it, I went with my friend Lala. And Lala is... Like I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uptight. I gotta say about film going etiquette. I'm just like, just silence, please. Unless it's a comedy, just everyone shut up, please. Okay. Um, and Lala is the type of person who she she doesn't talk, she doesn't ask questions necessarily, but she responds in a quite verbal way to what's going on on screen. She will be like, oh. <gasps> oh my god! You know, this kind of stuff. Which, in a lot of situations, could po po potentially have bothered me to some degree. But, 
she was having such a good time watching this movie that I just got swept up. And um, she loved Canto Bite. She said this was kind of her favorite bit of the movie. So, uh, yeah, my experience of this was very different the third time I said it. It's not like, it's not like I disla dislike it that strongly, you know. Um, I just think... Like, every other sequence in all the Disney-era movies has me, like, just like, oh, 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 love it, love it, love it, um, for the most part. And Cantobite feels a little bit more like, ah, oh, yeah, it's fine, I guess, you know. I mean, it's nice that, you know, Rose is kind of, like, um, helping Finn make this journey to... Um, being someone who cares about it. I don't like this red plum balloon thing. That doesn't feel Star Wars to me. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of Indiana Jones DNA in this, which is kind of Star Wars DNA. You know what I mean? Hmm. I mean, the, yeah. The outfits and everything are incredible. The creatures are incredible. It is, I think, let's pause it there. I think if if people are prequel fans, um, then that the kind of look of all that is going to feel a bit more styles to them. Um, but, yeah. All right. Uh, looking forward to uh, coming back to Akto when, when we return next episode. Uh, here's a bit of sizzle. What's up, Kern? Here's a bit of sizzle. For next episode, next episode I will of course be reviewing chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett. And I will also be explaining why the cops rang my doorbell at 1.30 in the morning. Star Wars related. Stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, big thanks again to Brandon Winerdy for joining me Um We'll be back after the next episode of The Book of Boba Fett Drops. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me! <laughs>